Welcome to Peer to Peer, the podcast, brought to you by Rainer. Listen in as we hear from top surgeons having great conversations with their peers about hot and popular topics in ophthalmology. Hello, I'm Paul Rosen and I'm your host. I'm a consultant ophthalmologist at Oxford Eye Hospital and also chairman of the trustees of the ESCRS. Welcome to everyone. This two-part series, we're highlighting some great content from a past webinar that Rainer held in May of 2022, which focused on some of the premium IOLs, but specifically the Ray One EMV. We were joined by Andy Turnbull and Alan Barson. Mr. Andrew Turnbull is an NHS consultant in Bournemouth and the clinical lead for cataract surgery. We also have Alan Barson, who is director and founding partner of OCL Vision in London, in part one of this series, we'll listen to a clip from the webinar about Ray One EMV and how to position it in your practice. So Andy, to start, could you please give us a quick overview of the Ray One EMV? Great, thanks. So, um, so yeah, as, as Paul said, this is really just a very, very brief overview to, um, to kick things off this evening. What we have is the, is the Ray One EMV from Rayner. And as, as I'm sure most of you know, this is a, a lens that induces positive spherical aberration. And in doing so, it helps to extend the depth of focus with otherwise be a standard monofocal lens implant, which means that we can get a little bit more out of these strategies, such as with binocular hemotropia, uh, we can get a little bit more intermediate. And with monovision, we can potentially alleviate some of those issues with anisometropia and the lack of reading vision. Thank you. And Alon, how do you think that this lens compares with trifocals? I think that this lens nicely bridges the gap between just using a standard monofocal and what a trifocal can do. But for patients that would like to be as independent as possible for glasses, um, I, I still feel that a trifocal is the is the best option unless you think that there's a contraindication to using trifocal lenses. So one of the nice things about, about the Ray One EMV and about a monovision scenario utilizing EMV technology is that um, you can use it in scenarios where a trifo- it would be inappropriate to use a trifocal lens. Um, but providing, you know, providing the patient has got a, a reasonable ocular surface um, and that you plan to do bilateral surgery in most cases, um, a normal macula, um, normal cornea in terms of no endothelial cell dysfunction or anything of that nature, no irregular astigmatism, um, and that you accurately treat the, that you accurately achieve neutral spherical equivalent error, neutral cylindrical error, then trifocal lenses are fantastic. And now there's the option also of the trifocal toric, so you can use that um, when patients have got corneal astigmatism. So I, I probably put in um, at least 300 um, Ray 1 trifocal or trifocal torics, um, but I've used a similar number of the EMV as well. Um, so I have experience with both. I think one of the things we wanted to discuss in this webinar, we've got this huge range of lenses that are available and really to help people decide where, for example, the EMV fits into their practice. And... Perhaps, Alan, you can just say a little bit more about how you position the lens in your practice. You've got a patient in front of you. How would you decide whether to give them a trifocal um, or uh, an EMV? So I would say that this has become this has become the, the my kind of go-to default lens. So I start off 
with the premise that this is the lens that I would use in this patient um, unless, unless there's a reason not to. So the main reason not to use this lens, in my opinion, is if a patient is coming with a desire to be totally spectacle independent. So though you can achieve, um, you know, with a monovision scenario, you can achieve um, N5, N6. You could with enough monovision even achieve N4, but there are some, there is a bit of a, there's a bit of an art to how much to push monovision and when to push it. Um, and there are some advantages with, trifocal lenses compared to monovision which have been shown in in large studies um i think the main one re really is the the level of the unaided reading vision um as well as stereopsis so if a patient if a patient kind of wants to do significant amounts of reading unaided um, then i feel like a trifocal is better but actually most patients don't request that don't demand that and don't expect that most patients want to um be independent of glasses for distance activities, be independent of glasses for intermediate activities, such as um, their computer screen, which is where most people spend most of their time or their iPad or, or tablet. Um, and then what I call social reading, which is, which is kind of at reading distance, but not at the level of kind of N4, N5 or J1, J2 print. So mm. being, able to, being able to read the menu in a restaurant, being able to see their, their watch, their phone, um, seeing to shave, to put on makeup, seeing the dashboard of the car. So th th most people want independence for those things. M many many patients, and I would say even the majority, are quite happy to put on a pair of, let's say, off-the-shelf plus-one readers or, um, or an alternative if they would want to read small print, like they need want to read a novel or the Financial Times or something of that nature. So the Ray 1 EMV allows you to give patients independence of glasses for almost everything, um, but not everything. And then how much you give them is dependent a little bit on how much they want um, and how much monovision you want. So if they're very easygoing, very happy in glasses, um, then I would just predominantly target Plano in the dominant eye and minus 0.25 to minus 0.5 in the non-dominant eye, which is like an imperceptible mini monovision amount. Mm. And they'll then need glasses for, for, for kind of any kind of reading activity. Whereas if they want predominant independence of glasses but i feel uncomfortable about using a trifocal lens either because there's a contraindication or maybe they're a professional night driver for example or maybe they're not a professional night driver but they do a lot of night driving or night vision is really important to them um then i think the ray one emv is a better option because it doesn't give them glare it doesn't give them halos it doesn't give them significant dysphotopsia and in the unlikely event that the nighttime myopia caused some kind of issue with monovision if you're pushing it hard and when i say hard i mean minus 1.25 to minus 1.5 i never give more than that um then you can give them glasses for night driving which is a, a kind of minority activity but it gives you that kind of functional reversibility option that you don't have with a trifocal lens if you have a patient that's got problems with glare and halos and they're driving at night due to trifocal lenses their only options are put up with it or you explant the lens so it's so nice to not to know that you're not going to be in that scenario um so, you know, it's what, you know, my, my trifocal lens usage has reduced a little bit, but my premium lens usage has gone to almost 100% because I can't really think of scenarios in which a patient wouldn't want this lens or you wouldn't want to use it. I mean, there's a pricing consideration, but outside of that, I don't see any downside. I mean, the expression you don't get, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Um, does that apply to the EMV? Um, is it quite a, a cheap lunch? 
i.e. the complications and the side effects compared to a getting, trifocal. We're getting, close, we're getting close to the three lumps, aren't we? Um, with it, yeah, as, as, I mean, Alan has really summed up the, the issues very, very, um, very nicely there. But I mean, yeah, as, as, as Alan said, I mean, it's increasingly my, my standard lens implant for private patients as well. Um, yeah, there, there really aren't any downsides that I've, that I've come across. Um, you don't, I mean, I, I spend a fair bit of chair time talking through monovision per se, but I don't spend any additional chair time talking about the EMV um, because it, it doesn't come with any drawbacks that I've, that I've found. Um, yeah, as opposed to trifocals where you really have to spend a lot more time both with the diagnostics and with the conversation with the patients beforehand. And, and really, I mean, trifocals have always been a, a relatively small aspect of my practice. Um, my exclusion criteria are lengthy and the patient has to be perfect anatomically and psychologically um, before I would put one in. And I've, 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 I've used a handful and I've had good success with them. But, you know, as, as Alan said, having something that is reversible, um, you know, you, you can't always predict how patients are going to do with any particular solution. Um, and having something that's effectively a monofocal that you can either put them in glasses, contact lenses, put in a secondary piggyback lens implant if necessary, or laser them to either increase their monovision if they if they need more or reduce it if they're, if they're not tolerating it, um, is, a, is a very attractive proposition. Um, and, and certainly for, for those of us who maybe don't have access to, to, uh, to a laser refractive practice or complex diagnostics, I think the, the EMV is, is something that can you know, have a place for somebody that's embarking on a, on a premium lens practice um, without needing to worry about the downside of, of trifocality. Do you always put them in bilaterally or do you do a standard monofocal in one eye and um, uh, the EMV in the non-dominant eye? And we'll talk about monovision and assessing mm. for that in, in a moment. But uh, do you both do them bilaterally or do you? So far, yeah. 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 Um, I haven't had any patients yet who've already had one eye done. Um, and who've then come to me and I've been, you know, that, that, that scenario hasn't arisen yet. All of my patients who have either had you know, needed unilateral surgery or, or bilateral. Um, so I haven't mixed and matched with any other, with any other lens. Okay. And can I just ask a general question about premium lenses, which is not a phrase I like, but, uh, you know, and uh, using um, trifocals. And in terms of the assessment, you both said you need to have a pristine eye. Do you always do OCTs, retinal OCTs? Yeah, yeah. So for, for anyone that I'm considering um, a, a trifocal, they, they need a pentacam and an OCT at, at, at the bare minimum. Um, I mean, where, where, where I was in practice previously, we had access to aberrometry with Viscyris and, and all sorts of things. Um, but, but no, I think yeah, at the moment, um, I, think an, I think an OCT and a pentacam or, or some kind of topography is essential. And what about if you're using the EMB? Again, I think it's it, in a refractive practice. It might be desirable, but do you think it's, it's desirable, but I don't think it's absolutely necessary. Um, I think you know, the, the EMB is much more forgiving in terms of irregular astigmatism and regular astigmatism, for that matter, um, and decentration, angle kappa, um, 
mild macular pathology. Um, I, I don't think it's as sensitive to those, those kind of problems. So although, yes, it would be desirable, um, I, I don't think it's essential. Okay. Alon, I mean, there's a whole range of EDOF type lenses. And uh, I just, do you sort of fine tune what the patient receives depending on what their uh, ultimate aims are? So you might use a, uh, a lens which has a greater uh, defocus curve uh, in one patient and uh, not in another patient. How sophisticated yeah. should we be in choosing the lenses? I mean, that's a good question. And I think it also ties into your kind of, there's no such thing as a free lunch, um, you know, question. Um, and the reality is that there are elements of, there are patients in which you would, there are patients in which you would choose not to use an EMV. Um, for example, if they have significant amounts of corneal astigmatism, um, and what I found, not just through EMV usage, but also through Presbamax, um, you know, laser vision correction for reading vision, where we are in del also deliberately inducing spherical aberration, um, is that when you're deliberately inducing spherical aberration, then patients are more sensitive to coma uh, and cylindrical error than they would be otherwise. So I find that if you're, you can give a patient spherical aberration, that's fine, but you do have to nail the astigmatism treatment. Um, so, you know, if I look at kind of, a, if you, if I, if you compare it to, let's say just a standard monofocal, you can be a bit less aggressive with your astigmatism management. Whereas with this lens, I think that you need to treat astigmatism quite aggressively. So I would say if they have more than 0.75, um, diopters of against the rule of astigmatism or more than one diopter of with the rule of astigmatism on the cornea, then I would want to be correcting that. Um, which doesn't mean not using the EMV. I tend to use a limbal relaxing incision, but when the toric emv becomes available i'll be using that a lot so there are scenarios where i'm not using you know the toric emv where i'd like to and likewise there have been scenarios where i have used the emv in one eye and a toric in the other because sometimes patients have got good going astigmatism in one and not in the other and it mm -hmm. and it works fine as a unilateral lens option i've also used it unilaterally in patients that only have a unilateral cataract and it's worked really well mm -hmm. so in general it's very forgiving i think it's a little bit less forgiving than a standard monofocal would be when it comes to astigmatism management um, and if patients have got frank macular pathology like frank age-related macular degeneration that's you know significant and affecting the vision to me it just doesn't make sense to aberrate the image on the on the macula at all um, and then I won't use it um, the other scenario in which I don't use it is if they and you asked about topography I don't think you need topography although it's nice to have but if they've had previous laser refractive surgery um, in, with a kind of old fashioned ablation profile. And they've already got a very, you know, high myopic ablation. You'd think that they'd already have a significant amount of positive spherical aberration. Um, so if you don't know, if you can't measure it and you're not sure, then it's probably better not to use it. But when I've got to say that nowadays, it's so rare that when you do measure it, you see a lot of positive spherical aberration because the laser ablation profiles, even from 10 or 15 years ago, don't induce a huge amount. And by using this lens, you can, actually give them even more depth of focus and even more you know range of vision um and reading vision in the last sort of remaining minute or so and correct me if i'm wrong but i think we've got in the emv a lens which is can be used for all patients there are very few contraindications very few side effects and i'm afraid we keep going back to the free lunch strategy but actually it's a very cheap lunch in terms of uh the risks and uh, compared to the benefits um, Alan, perhaps I can just ask you if you want to say any more in terms of summing up. 
Yeah, I mean, I would, I would kind of say, try it and you'll like it. You know, your patients will like it. It's one of these lenses where you, you, you get a lot without having to give up very much. So it may not be a free lunch, but it's a, uh, it's good value. And it's very relaxing as a surgeon. Andy, yeah. um, I, I would say, don't be. I mean, if, if you're a kind of a cataract surgeon, it's wanting to become more of a refractive cataract surgeon. Don't be, don't be scared by monovision. You know, monovision has a bit of a bad rep from years ago. Um, with all the aniso and stereopsis issues, but we don't need a big offset these days. The EMV really helps. Um, and I think it's a great entry point to making patients really happy with very minimal risk. And, and as we've all said, it's easily reversible. Yeah. So give it a try. Yeah, and I think it's a great way of giving people better vision with, um, without the hassle. Thank you all for listening to this clip from Rainer's Premium IOL webinar. Be sure to listen to part two of this series on mastering monovision and managing the Ray1 EMV patient conversation. You can watch the full recording of Rayner's premium IOL webinar now on the peer-to-peer hub at rayner.com slash peer-to-peer. Thank you very much. The Ray1 EMV Toric IOL is now available in select markets. Please speak to your local Rayner representative for more information. For more information about this episode's topic and to read the show notes, visit the peer-to-peer hub at rainer.com forward slash peer-to-peer. This podcast is provided for general information purposes only. The presenter's views are their own. Rainer does not endorse off-label use. Users must refer to the product labelling and instructions for use for Rainer products in all cases. Not all Rainer products are available in all countries. The full disclaimer can be found in the show notes.